Hello, hello everybody, it's Luke Diebold here, back with another podcast, and today I wanted to talk about a really big lesson that I've learned in terms of communicating with other people um, on a team. Now, there's only two people on our team at the moment at AgriPath, but um, we're probably going to grow. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I work in an agriculture consulting uh, company, which is way more exciting than it sounds because we get to do stuff with like data collection, showing people graphs, dealing with that data, making that data easier to explore with um, for the clients, but then also for the analysts who want to do more advanced stuff. Um, and soon, you know, we might be end up we might be getting an analyst on board, and you know, being able to create services so that analysts can um, analyze the data. Well, it's actually really fun and really cool stuff that I enjoy. Um, but anyway, we've got another person on the team um, maybe about seven months ago. His name's Pat. He's really awesome. And the great thing about Pat is from the get-go, he was able to get stuff happening. I mean, once he got the environment set up, he improved the environment. Um, he started writing stuff that made my life easier from the beginning. And, you know, everything was pretty great to begin with. One thing, though, that kind of started to go a little bit downhill was actually more on my end, to be honest. It was more that um, I, I don't feel like I was doing a very good job communicating to Pat what I needed on my end. And so often I would, but it was kind of like there was a bit of a lag. The feedback loop there wasn't very good. And especially when COVID hit, we started just working from home then. And look, we're really well set up to work from home. It's great as web developers. But one of the problems is if I need something, I can't just be like, I can't go over to his desk and say, hey, Pat, can you build this? And then, you know, just push it straight away. Um, there's a little bit of a barrier there where I need to then call him up on video and, you know, on Microsoft Teams. And even though that's easy, I'm less inclined to do it because it's on Teams. And, you know, w- with Teams, there's always like, I think at the back of my mind, I'm thinking there's the awkwardness where I need to call them up and then, you know, ask them about their day and all that. And then there's the awkwardness of, okay, now I need to like stop the call. And I feel like I tend to be an awkward person in general in those situations. In reality, I'm probably not, but that's what I feel like. And that's kind of what's at the back of my mind. So I'm less inclined to do it. Um, I'm sure that a lot of you actually know what I'm talking about, but a lot of the more gregarious people out there are probably thinking, no, who cares? Or a lot of the people that don't care about people's emotions, you know, a very like clean cutter, probably thinking, just say goodbye and hang up the phone. But you know, to me, I, that's like that's a little bit of a tension point. Whereas if I can just turn around and say hi to the person behind me, um, can you help me with such and such? To me, that's a much um, th- that's actually quite a lower barrier. Um, it turned out to be that way in the real world. So. We've done a few things to help with this, like um, having morning meetings, but you know, eventually they started to disappear because we were like, yep, we know what we're doing. But then as we became less sure of what we were doing, we didn't have the habit of doing that morning meeting anymore. So it, this kind of ended up um, snowballing into this place where I was thinking to myself, I don't feel very much clarity on what I'm doing and what Pat's doing. And this is my fault. I'd never known what it was like to be somebody working remotely and you know, technically I'm in charge um, of development, but since he was so good, he was kind of like more my equal or in a lot of places, frankly, I think he's, you know, much better than me. But um, because of that, um, I kind of just let things slide. And then it was just like, Pat was doing his thing and I was doing my thing. And there wasn't enough communication of um, what was going on there. And just to give you a little bit more background here to sort of draw a better picture, um, he's been doing very much supportive stuff. So building architectural things that makes it easier for me to move faster. Um, And so he came up with these really cool um, concepts. I've talked about them in the past with how to use the composition API and um, 
you know, I kind of got him onto the, the composition API to begin with, but once he got, you know, once he caught wind of that, he started implementing some really cool things with the composition API and TypeScript so that I could easily get nice type hinting as well. So he's been very much on the support side of things and then um, therefore helping me to speed up. And due to that setup, I needed to be someone that communicated well what I needed, right? So on my, on my end, it was very important for me to be very like hyper clear about what I needed from Pat. And I wasn't. I'd be like, you know, we'd have conversations. Often they'd be long conversations that go for like half an hour to an hour and a half, maybe even longer. And we'd do like coding sessions together. But I had this epiphany moment recently where I was like, you know what? What we really need is something hard, um, something written down at the end of it. So basically a very, very clear picture of what what is needed on my end Um through our conversations. So, you know, I'll throw something out there. He'll go, nah, maybe this will make more sense. And then I'll sort of push back again. And then we'll end up with an idea, but nothing gets written down. And so it's very vague and there's no documentation on it. So this is what we're doing now, right, going forward. And this is the concept that I've come up with that I'm going to tell Pat about tomorrow. I haven't even told him about this, Um, (laughs) but that I think might be a really good way moving forward. And here's the first thing. Number one, write APIs together. So I think it's really important that, especially with our setup where somebody is very focused on building APIs and I'm very focused on consuming those APIs, we need to decide on exactly what that API is going to look like together. It's almost like test-driven development where you write your API first, you write the test that's going to pass, then you go out and build it. But I guess it's a little bit faster than that. It's kind of an abstraction out of that where um, Pat and I will sit together, we'll write a markdown file, and we'll be like, here's some examples where you use the code, right? So we've got something, for example, called use model. And it allows us to have access to the model state. It allows us to get models from the API, create models and all that jazz, um, dealing with errors so we can pass them through to forms, dealing with loading state. There's a lot that goes on in that composable. Um, and so um, what I realized is we need to sit down and build the API together because I know what I need as someone who's implementing this and Pat has a really good insight of the architecture and what could go wrong. Um, he's really great at basically, you know, I want things to be super clean. That's really important to me. Um, and sometimes I go too far with trying to make things look really clean. And so Pat will push back and go, well, yeah, that looks clean, but you know, you might end up with clashes here and, um, uh, really, this is actually cleaner, and you should actually, you know, go through this other composable first. So, I, I don't want to go too much into the code, but you get the idea. You know, we've got different strengths, and so it's very important that we butt heads and that we talk about this stuff together. But at the end of the day, we write out an API. So I'm very clear on what I'm going to get, and he's very clear on what he's going to build. So that's the first thing: write APIs together. Here's the second thing: write code separately. So I found that coding together a little bit is good, but for the most part, once we figured out the API together, you are much more efficient. Once you've got that vision in your head, if you just go off and write it on your own. So once Pat knows what he needs to write, it's going to be much better if he just implements it himself and I don't bother him and start micromanaging him on all of his details on how he implements that. He just goes and writes the code separately um, on his own. And then I write the code that implements stuff that he's done in the past. Obviously, I can't use the APIs yet because they haven't been implemented. But I write the code um, and just, uh, where I'm implementing stuff and come across problems on my end. 
So this is really great because it means Pat is learning about um, what it's like to implement these ideas and I, uh, in terms of um, building the thing, like the lower level stuff. And I have a really good idea of what it's like to actually use it does this API look good? Is it ugly? Are there things that we can improve? And so then when we come back together, um, we can kind of like iterate on the APIs a little bit further on our, in this case, on our composables. All right. So first of all, write, write APIs together. Second, write code separately. Third, code review. So once Pat's gone off and he's written all of the stuff that he needs to, so Let's just say we've you know nutted out five composition API things like five composables. Pat's gone off and written all of the code. Then I can go over that and say, okay, what do I think um, could be changed here? Um, do I think that this code is ugly? Um, and then vice versa. He will look at my code and be like, oh, I think you're implementing this wrong. When I wrote this, I thought you'd implement it this way. Or, hey, you could actually write this a lot better. Because he's going to have, when I'm actually implementing the code that he's written, um, he's going to have ideas of using it um, and efficiencies that I would never have thought of because he's the one that actually built it. Right, So um, to me, it makes sense that we write our code separately, but then we review each other's code so we can give feedback. Then I have a better idea of how to implement what he's written. And Pat has a better idea of um, how to implement you know, the thing in the end. You know? And I'm going to pick up stuff that, um, that he wouldn't have picked up. You, you guys know this. When you get other people's eyes on things, and this is the great things about open source, when other people's eyes get on it, um, they tend to notice things that you wouldn't have noticed. So... That first one is write APIs together, write code separately, and then do a code review. And then you can sort of go back, and this is sort of a cycle where you can write the APIs again. So this is what I'm going to try. Um, and this is like um, this kind of concept that I've come up with is based on some pains that I've had in the past. I don't know if this is going to work yet. So don't take what I'm saying as gold. Um, standard or anything like that. There's a whole bunch of different things. There's like Scrum and all these other stuff that I don't, honestly, a lot of it I don't know about. Um, but I felt like I needed something a little bit more tailored to what we were doing in our day-to-day work. There's only two of us and the kind of stuff that we do on a more micro level, I feel like needs a little bit more organization around it. So that's what I came up with. And you know what? Um, the reason, The reason I've written this down now is today is the first time we kind of um, we did that first step together, write the APIs together, and it felt so good. There's something about building an API with something that somebody that gets you very, very excited. When you have a vision, and I talk about vision all the time, if you build an API together, the person who's going to implement that API has a very clear vision in their head of what they're building, and then building becomes so much more fun. You're not worrying about all of these tiny... Um, you're not worrying about the details of what the API is going to look like. And that's usually not the fun stuff. That's the stuff where you sit at the computer and stare at the screen and think, I can't figure out how to do this or I can't figure out the right solution. And then you go take a break and then you come back and you take a break and come back and you end up tired and you can't, you feel like nothing's getting done. But if you get that crap out of the way first and you figure out exactly what the vision of the API is going to look like, then the person, that person can go off and have a fun time building the API. It's a lot more fun. Like they're focused on, oh, how can I make this code clean um, behind the scenes or 
um, I don't know, how can I improve uh, this to make it more efficient? And they can start focusing on that other stuff. And I find, at least for me, that tends to be a lot more fun when the API is really clear in my head. This is why having a shower is great, where you go off and have a shower and your brain sort of... um, starts to rest and it figures stuff out it starts to create visions shower time is vision time it's where your brain same with going for like long walks your brain starts figuring out really cool ideas really cool concepts it it gets pieces of the puzzle and sort of sticks them together and then often i finish having a shower and i don't even want to dry myself frankly and this is going to sound gross i just want to run to the computer naked and start writing code because i've got this vision in my head and i want to like get it down so i can then have fun building that vision and turning it into a reality Right. So once again, write APIs together, write the code separately, and then do a code review um, on that code. So I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. Man, I really love doing podcasts on this stuff. And I have to do another podcast at some point soon about my um, my podcast automation process that I'm working on. So um, I'll quickly tell you about it because this is really exciting. Lately, I've been building a podcast automation pro- process that's going to allow me to record a podcast and put it onto Dropbox. And then on Dropbox, I'll create a JSON file that has like the description of the podcast, um, the title, and then I'll, and also um, some text for social media posting. And then once I've got those two things in a Dropbox folder, the rest is completely automated. It's so freaking cool. So then what happens is I've built something that's going to take that file, um, it's going to clean the audio up for me behind the scenes. It's going to figure out when to publish that file and schedule the publish date. It's going to publish it. Um, it's then going. It's then going to um, create a cover image for YouTube. Um, schedule it on YouTube. Schedule all of my social media posts. And I'm really excited. I can't wait to let you guys know more about this process and then start actually implementing it. And the cool thing about that is all I have to do is sit down record the podcast, write down a bit of information about it, and everything just happens for me behind the scenes. It used to literally take me like probably about half an hour to an hour to process every single podcast. And the cool thing about this is I can then, um, I'm thinking of even building a product on top of it. So other people that want to do podcasting, where they just sit down, speak their mind, and have all the social media and stuff for that automatically done for them behind the scenes can do it. So I reckon that's like a really cool concept and um, something that couldn't, maybe eventually become a product. So yeah, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Um, I I won't waffle on anymore. This has turned into like a 15-minute podcast, but I hope you enjoyed it. And definitely check out quasarcomponents.com if you want to learn all 72 plus of Quasar's components. So that's quasarcomponents.com. I'm going to release that very, very soon. You'll be able to get a cool Quasar shirt from that site as well, or pre-order one because we haven't actually finished um, uh, the process for figuring out the right material for the shirt and all of that. But yeah, definitely check out quasarcomponents.com dot com and sign up there so you're the first to know when that course is released thanks so much everyone for listening and remember there is nothing you can't build